Welcome to Made It Happen podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Hafling. Made It Happen is a podcast series highlighting female founders who took a chance and launched their own business. Through interviews with female entrepreneurs, Made It Happen is dedicated to inspiring others through stories of those who have experienced going out on their own firsthand, discussing all the highs and the lows. It can be easy to see the glamorous side of starting your own business through the internet and social media, but what does it really take behind the scenes to launch and run your own successful business? Hear how these inspiring female founders made it happen. So today I'm joined by Lindsay Moran, the co-founder of Unwrap It, a tech startup that wants to decarbonize corporate gifting and make it more green. Lindsay, thank you so much for joining me here today. Thank you. Thanks you so much for having me. So how about we start off with having you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Yeah, sure. Happy to jump in. I'm actually from Southwestern Ontario as well. And so uh, I went to Western and, you know, kind of graduated and decided I wasn't really 100% sure what I was going to do with my life, as I think a lot of students feel at that point. Um, and I ended up going in and living in the UK for a few years. So I, I ended up in the event sector, which was great. It really gave me a good grounding, I would say, in sort of general business um, operations and, and how to, I always say events is kind of like a little mini microcosm of a business, which is kind of fun. So I did that for a number of years. I moved back to Canada. I worked in the nonprofit space for a few years. Um, and throughout all of that, then, you know, I had an opportunity to then work with a couple of really amazing entrepreneurs. I worked in the women's leadership space. So my career has kind of jumped around all over the place, but I would say the thread that's run through it is sort of events, project management operations um, more generally. And I've always been involved, almost every business I've been involved in has either been nonprofit or has had some kind of social impact focus. Um, so for me, Unwrap It was you know, and a very logical next step and certainly follows the, follows the pattern, even if uh, it may be, may seem like my career is a bit uh, up and down and all over the place from that perspective. <laughs> Amazing. Well, and I'm excited to dive more into that. And I guess to start yeah. off, do you want to tell us a little bit about more of what Unwrap It is and sort of sure. how that all got started? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we say that Unwrap It is on a mission. We are on a mission to help companies break free from their conventional thinking around corporate gifting. Um, you know, corporate gifting, frankly, has been done the same way for many, many years, whether it be at an event or end of year corporate gifting or gifting that you do for your team. Um, I think the pandemic has really brought out a lot of really cool and interesting options, which is awesome. Um, I think we'll see some really interesting things come out of that, uh, which is, I think, you know, generally the thinking is starting to change. but you know, traditionally it was sending something to the office or, you know, at an event, giving someone a swag bag with stuff in it. And so we're really trying to get people to move away from that thinking. Um, Unwrap It itself is a digital gifting platform. We offer a way for companies to give gifts to their clients, attendees, et cetera, um, through a fully brandable and personalized gift experience. And we can do that really at any scale. The gifts themselves um, are low or no waste gifts and, you know, all kind of sustainably minded. And ultimately at the end of it, you know, the, the end user gets the opportunity to choose the gift that resonates most with them, which we think is really key. And it really builds that kind of brand connection. Well. They're not just given something that they may not be able to use. And the gifts are things that you might traditionally think of like gift cards, of course, like, you know, DoorDash or that sort of thing, which is always popular, uh, but also some really interesting and unique things like charitable 
giving, social impact giving, we can do that in a really unique way and people can have the choice of what they want to give to. We also have a lot of interesting experiential things. And I really think that our gift supply catalog, whatever, whatever you want to call it, is really what sets us apart. It's quite unique. And we've been really fortunate to work with some excellent people over the last year to help us put that together and have been able to offer some really interesting and fun experiences to our customers, which is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And especially, you know, that element too, where they get to pick what is, you know, best choice for them and yeah. so that there is, you know, you know, they're going to be using it. And um, I want to touch on the point you brought up there too, was really about the sustainability factor of it. And, you know, yeah. what made you decide to really focus in on sustainability and, you know, mm-hmm. how can companies or businesses, you know, strive to be more sustainable? Yeah, great question. Uh, I mean, for me personally, as I said, I've always been kind of involved in the social impact space. And um, more recently, my last role um, was a company that recycled car tires and made them into um, construction products for the construction industry, uh, which was really cool. Um, That was sort of my first exposure, I guess, into the concept of like the circular economy and the fact that a business can create something that that is circular, which is really interesting. Um, I think probably Peter, Peter Dietz, my co-founder, probably answers this question best. He always, when people ask him this question, he says, you know, really in the year 2021 or really any time in the last however many years, like why, why wouldn't you start a business that doesn't have a sustainable component to it? Like it just, it needs to be there. And he said himself, you know, he would only kind of start a business or be involved in businesses that had a sense of purpose Um, And if they weren't sort of advancing or contributing to a cause or writing some kind of wrong that that wasn't going to be, you know, (laughs) wasn't going to sit well with him, which I think is a great way of thinking. And I think that that's probably, you know, that's really kind of my thinking as well. In this day and age, you know, it's really important that we are all thinking sustainably and whether your business is rooted in a sustainable model or whether you're working hard to make sure that you're bringing sustainable goals and, you know, your corporate social responsibility goals into your business model. Um, I think it's really important that everyone needs to be doing that. It's crucial really at this stage of our lives. Yeah. I mean, for me, my earliest sort of sustainability memory, I always talk about in grade four, I remember we did a a unit about saving the rainforest. So I remember that very, very vividly and being very concerned about the rainforest and really worried about that and thinking a lot about it. And I think that was, that really was imprinting on me and um, sort of set me on a path to like, always wanting to do better for the world and for people and and others as well. So. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I definitely agree. I think it's such an important factor for any individual and businesses as a whole to sort of have that as a focus. And mm-hmm. so I love that, especially this is giving that opportunity through yeah. the platform for that. And, um, you know, with that too, it is a, you know, tech business and it's, it's in the tech industry. And so do you want to tell us a little bit about your experience as a woman in tech and, you know, a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah, I'm always I always kind of um, put a little caveat around this because I am a woman in tech. Yes, but I am not technical. So that's sort of a sort of maybe um, is a little not unusual, but it is it is a point of note because I do think that if you're a woman in tech and you are technical, you are a developer. You're having a very different potential experience than than I might be having. Um, so I do I think that's important to say for sure. But yeah, I mean, my experience so far, having been in this particular industry for you know just over a year at this point, but having been involved, I would say, in the women's leadership space for a number of years. So what's really been cool about that is I've sort of been able to see it from both sides. So when I was working with Women's Executive Network years ago, we were all, we were honoring the Canada's most powerful women, top 100 award winners each year. 
Um, and there was always winners within that group that were within the tech industry. And I, I remember talking to them and, you know, them telling some really interesting, sometimes a bit crazy stories <laughs> about the industry and, you know, but that was also, you know, some time ago, right. I really do think things have, have changed. I think that, um, are, have changed and are changing. I think, again, my, my experience may be a little bit different and is more recent, but I mean, I've just seen nothing but supportiveness and, you know, no matter who I've reached out to, to ask for advice or, or can you connect me with this person or, Hey, here's a, here's a thought or idea. I mean, really, I can't think of very many instances where there hasn't been follow through. It hasn't been, you know, really great. So, I mean, I guess I want to call that out and say, there's, there's a lot of positivity as well. And I think it's actually, I think it's, it's becoming easier to be a, a leader um, as a woman in tech, you know, than it probably was 10 years ago, frankly. Um, and I think that's really important to note. I think it's, I think we're, we're making progress for sure. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely great to see that. And I, I love to the point where, you know, asking people for advice in that, that are in the industry. And so I think that that's a really great point for people who are maybe looking to get into the tech yeah. industry. But if you had sort of a piece of advice for someone who is sort of trying to break in there, what, um, yeah. what piece of advice would you give them? Yeah, I mean, I think my piece of advice generally for anyone trying to break into any industry really is, you know, authentically curating a network. And I know that's hard. I recognize that that's hard. I remember when I was younger and I'd hear that, I think, oh, easy for you to say, like, you know, you already know a bunch of people. And that's true. You know, as you go, as you move along in your career, you pick up people as you go and you meet people. But I will say that I think you can do it. My key word is it has to be authentic. So, um, you know, even me, I will say I do have a little bit of a pet peeve. And I've, I've, this is actually right in my LinkedIn profile for people who just kind of spam me on LinkedIn and don't tell me why they want to connect with me and don't tell me why they're, they're wanting to, you know, send me messages, etc. I have, you know, I, I will respond to every single person who sends me a personalized note, absolutely without fail, um, and email for that matter as well. So I think, you know, in that way, I would really encourage people trying to break into any industry, particularly tech, because, the volume is so high of what we see coming in for sure um, to, you know, really uh, create, you know, do take the time to learn about the person you want to want to connect with, learn about the industry, learn about whether it's an opportunity or a company or whatever the case may be, and then craft a message accordingly, you know, and, and send it. I think you're going to find that more often than not, you'll get a response. Um, and I, I think that that's been certainly successful for me in my career. And as I said, I can say that turning the tables if I receive messages like that, I would always uh, respond. So that would be one piece of advice, I would say, as, as far as tech specifically is concerned. I think one thing I would say is, you know, this was a bit of a misnomer for me. You don't have to be technical to be in tech, right? So that's that's a big note, point of note as well. Every single tech company needs people who are in different areas of the business, whether it be HR or finance or you know, whatever the case may be. And those individuals aren't necessarily quote unquote tech people. So if, if it's a space that you're interested in, go for it, like figure out where you want to be, do the research on the companies that you want to be working with and, and go for it. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really great piece of advice. And especially, you know, that personalization component, I think is so important when you're trying to build those relationships and, um, yeah. you know, especially on the building the business itself too, is there, was there been any, you know, big obstacles or challenge that you've really had to overcome throughout the process? Yeah, that's, yeah, I think I've been asked this question a lot recently. Um, the first obstacle I would 
say it's just purely situational. We started this business, Peter um, Dietz, Taylor and Pence and I are the three co-founders of Unwrap It. And we came together as a co-founding team in October of 2020, which was challenging timing um, in the middle of a global pandemic. And we all have two kids. So when we came together, we were parenting six kids between us under six. Um, so that was definitely not easy. So personally, that has been a big challenge, obviously, starting starting Unwrapid and getting it underway for sure. But the flip side to that, I would say, is that, you know, how do, you know, what's a challenge and how do you potentially overcome it is, you know, having having that co-founding team has been amazing. I know there's a lot of entrepreneurs who go it alone. And oh my goodness, I have so much respect for that because the highs are fun and the lows aren't and having others to share it with is, has been really great. Um, so, you know, that's certainly been a, a good thing. I think one of my challenges personally is probably I'm not a particularly patient person. <laughs> so um, I've had to really channel that and really, um, you know, we talk a lot about celebrating the successes and celebrating the small wins as they happen. And we do that through Slack. We have a fun little, you know, hashtag scrapbook channel in Slack and, we post lots of good stuff there and it's just, it can be the silliest things, but you know, when you scroll back over and you look at it over the last year, it's fun. You really do see the milestones. And I think that that helps to, um, helps to soften the challenges maybe a little bit. <laughs> yes, definitely. I think that's so important, especially, you know, celebrating the wins. And I think a lot of the times it can be, you know, sometimes you're just on to the next thing without actually yeah. taking that in. So I love that idea of having it all in one place you can look back on and, you brought up a great point there too about your co-founders and do you have sort of any advice for, you know, people who are looking for a co-founder or going into business, you know, finding that right fit. Cause I think that that's definitely very important in the process. Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, so when Peter, so Peter initially had kind of a concept of unwrap it and, and it had sort of had a sort of a, a very light V1, um, but he realized quite quickly that <clears throat> it's not something he wanted to do alone. And as he always says, sort of, you know, two and one and one don't make two, one and one make much more than that. So, um, you know, he said about it in a very intentional way. And it's actually such an interesting thing. Someday when we have time, we'll sit down and we'll write a little case study about it because he, he really intentionally um, thought about what he wanted the role to embody, what he wanted the company to embody, um, what he wanted the co-founding relationship to embody. And he kind of put it out into the universe to see what would happen. And you know, he posted it on LinkedIn and I can't remember the statistics off the top of my head, but they were pretty impressive. I mean, it just kind of, you know, as LinkedIn does, someone shares it, someone likes it, someone posts it. And so that's how Taylor and I both came to find Peter, you know, through LinkedIn. And so I would say if someone is embarking upon potentially a co-founder journey as the person on the other side of it being, you know, coming into it, um, it was so refreshing to see that like, you know, authentic, with humility, I think to say like, Hey, I recognize I can't do this by myself. And I'm, I'm looking for these types of people to do it with me. Um, and that really resonated with me and it resonated with Taylor obviously too. Um, and others, cause Peter talked to many people at the time that he was having those conversations. So yeah, I mean, that would be my advice is like really sit down and intentionally think about it and don't just kind of throw something, you know, throw something against the wall and see what sticks. It's like, he really went about it with intention he spoke to his advisors. He talked about who would best complement him and his personality and his work style. Um, and I think that really helped to bring us together as a solid, solid team. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think, I think that's a great strategy to go about it. Cause yeah, like you said, a lot of the times with co-founders, it's always nice to have those different strengths that can kind of complement yeah. each other. So being able to actually see that criteria and say, this is the right fit, I think definitely will help sort of finding that right match. And yeah. you mentioned before too, you know, about that Slack channel with all the great success <laughs> moments yeah. in there. Is there sort of one that really stands out to you mm-hmm. like to share? I think when we launched the MVP, just like in back in the early spring, I think that was really a moment I remember us. And it, but it's funny. It's like, you know, frankly, doing all of this virtually, because we, we, you know, we have seen each other in person and we are, we are, um, we were initially all based in Toronto. Taylor is now based in Barcelona, but, you know, doing it over Slack and virtually, it did, it did lack a little bit just in the sense that, you know, we didn't have that moment. You know, I worked with a former colleague before and if we had a big moment, he had literally a bell that he would ring in his office and we had, you know, moments like that. But, you know, Slack is also fun in the way that you can curate this really like scrapbook, right, of all of these moments. So, when I looked back at the moment around us sort of launching the MVP, I think that's kind of a big one of like all that we'd worked towards and actually seeing it for the first time and seeing and like going through the unwrapping experience and seeing how awesome it was and what a great product. Cause I mean, at the end of the day, it's all about product, right? Like I, I watched an interview recently with Sarah Blakely, the, the founder of Spanx. And that was her whole thing is like relentless focus on product. Right. So seeing the product for the first time, I think was probably, was probably the highlight for sure. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And I think that is definitely a big sort of milestone when everything you've been working for for so long has come together and you can sort of see that final product there. Um, and has there been sort of anything that you've learned really about yourself, you know, as a co-founder um, during the experience, you know, maybe something that you've even learned from transitioning before from yeah. corporate into this role? Yeah, I think, oh man, I mean, 2020, 2021, huh? It's been a, it's been a couple of years. <laughs> it feels like a lifetime. Um, it's been a lot of self-reflection, I think for, you know, both, both personally and professionally um, and throwing, starting a new business into the mix. Um, so a lot of what I've learned about myself has been about like, you know, kind of being, I think probably being in the moment a little bit and like just enjoying, as I said earlier, kind of like marking those milestones as they come and not being so impatient for the big picture. Um, so I think that's been really great. And that's probably, I would say that's probably what I've, I've learned about myself. It's been a, it's been an interesting few years for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm, definitely. And with that too, actually, you know, before you had mentioned that you are a mother and then also while you were founding the business. And mm-hmm. so do you have any sort of advice for someone who might be sort of in that situation as well and how you manage it all? <laughs> oh boy. Um, that's the, that's the million dollar question, right? I mean, it's like, I don't really necessarily love a lot of what Jeff Bezos says, but he does talk about how it's not work-life balance. It's, I can't remember what he says. It's kind of like, you know, certain things, certain balls will drop while you pick other ones up. And, you know, I kind of, I think that's kind of the reality, right? I think that there are times when things are a little out of balance and you just have to make sure that you work to get them back into balance. I will say that, you know, not to be too political, that the year 2020, I think really shone a spotlight on how difficult it was for for women, women were disproportionately affected, as we know, it's you know, all over the media um, by the pandemic. And so I think, you know, for a lot of women, it made us made us and, you know, others realize how much was on them on women, and I would say on parents generally, particularly, obviously, with children not being in school, etc. Like that just was a huge societal challenge and shift. So sort of a tangent, but I would say, you know, going back to it, it you know, trying not to be too hard on yourself, that it can't be all perfect all the time. 
Um, also, you know, making sure to push back and it's easy to say, oh, ask for help. Well, sometimes it's not always easy to ask for help, but um, really trying to do that and trying to uh, ensure that it isn't all, <laughs> all on, on you, I think is key for sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think, I think that's such a great piece of advice. And I also, I definitely agree this past, you know, year or two years have definitely been very eye-opening with that. And you have worked with a lot of great female founders, you know, throughout your experience as well. So do you want to talk a little bit about that with your role as a female founder and then, you know, working with those incredible leaders in the space? Yeah, for sure. I have, I've been really fortunate to have worked with a number of amazing women throughout my career, either in the, either in leadership roles or just as colleagues, I really have been very lucky. And it's so funny because there's so much sort of stereotyping around cattiness of women in business. And I always say like, I'm quite, I never, I've never experienced that. And I I say that maybe quite naively, but I never experienced it because I don't know, I just, the women that were part of what we, whatever I was doing, we just, you know, we worked so well together. We collaborated so well together. So I think first and foremost, like curating, whatever the culture, curating that, I didn't realize younger in my career, how important that was. Right. So curating that, fostering that, um, whether I had a male leader or a female leader, it didn't matter. Like at the end of the day, having that sort of collaboration and connectivity with the team was really important, you know? And yeah, as you said, I've, I've worked with some amazing female uh, or some amazing women leaders, um, the one that stands out for me is a woman called Elaine Webb. She she took a chance on me when I moved back from the UK. I went to go and work for her for the nonprofit that she was the executive director of. And frankly, I probably had no business having <laughs> that job in the early days. But she took me under her wing and she was determined that I would succeed. And I think that really like shaped the way that I then have gone forward in my life. My whole thing is just like, why wouldn't you do that? <laughs> like, it just, it just, it makes no sense to me to not you know, really foster and support women, whoever, doesn't matter, whoever your colleagues are in the business that you're working in. And I think, you know, she really taught me the type of leader that I would want to be. And I think it actually, I've maybe been criticized at times, not, not negatively, but sort of like, Hey, why are you like handholding those new people so much? Like let them figure it out on their own kind of thing. And I just, it's not, it's not how I've operated. It's not how I've worked. And it's worked out pretty well for me. I mean, I think my track record of you know, bringing, like hiring the right person, onboarding the right person, seeing them succeed in their role, giving them, you know, opportunities for growth, trying new things within the business has been pretty positive. And I think it really has, you know, sort of is rooted in this idea of like, let's set everyone up for success. Why wouldn't we do that? <laughs> That's always going to be the best for the business. Um, and it actually, yeah, it just, it creates, you know, inclusivity and confidence, I think for whoever, whoever is coming into the business for sure. Mm-hmm, definitely. And I think that it's really great, especially when you have that great experience, you know, that, you know, that's the type of culture you want to bring in mm-hmm. when you are a founder and, you know, have that supportive environment. So I think that, that it's really great that, you know, you were able to recognize that early on that this is sort of the environment you want. And so being able to bring yeah. that culture into your startup, I think is, is so great to see. Um, yeah. And, you know, speaking of starting up the company, if there was sort of one piece of advice that, you know, you wish you would, uh, you could tell yourself back when you were starting, or if there's someone who's maybe just starting out yeah. business right now, uh, what advice would that be? That's great. I, I think the biggest piece of advice is start as you plan to go forward. And what I, when that, and that can be difficult in those early days, because some of the, again, operational things that you would do when you're at, you know, 
$10,000 MRR and then $100,000 MRR and then you know a tight team of 10 versus a team of one are going to be very different. Like I I understand that. But you know setting the foundation and it kind of goes back to what I was saying just a moment ago. So for example, we um we are members of 1 1% for the planet. We are part of Venture Lab. Um we are uh, currently undergoing our review for our B Corp certification because we feel it's really important to lay that groundwork. So even when we're in our first early days, that was actually one of the first things we did because that then sets the guiding path for us. And that really helps us to know what our North Star is, right? So going back to, you know, how do we how do we support people? How to how do we foster that, et cetera? We go back to the guiding path of we are a social impact business. We are people and planet first. And those are the things that drive our decision-making. So I would say for someone starting out new, even though that can seem overwhelming, what I mean by start as you plan to go on is get those, like, what are those non-negotiables? What are those foundational pieces in place first? Um, And then it actually makes it easier to build upon other things. And it helps in business decisions because we've had things come up where it's like, is this, is this what we want to do? Does that align with what we want to do moving forward? It doesn't. Okay, let's not do that. Or, hey, it does. Great. Let's move in that direction. And it has helped us, I think, um, over the last year, for sure. Yes, I, I definitely agree. I think that's a great piece of advice. And having that you know, strong foundation to begin with, I think, really helps build up that full business picture mm-hmm. um, and moving forward. And um, you know, one, one thing I always love to do sort of near the end here is um, have some rapid fire questions. So if you just want to say <laughs> sure. the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay, I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so owning your own business means... Oh my goodness. Um, it means weird sleep patterns. <laughs> Very true. It means weird sleep patterns. <laughs> um, one word to describe your business. I'm going to use a, a, a phrase ahead of its time. Love it. time. Uh, someone you look up to. You know what? Right now it's my kids, which is, sounds a bit cheesy, but it's my kids. They've had a, you know, kids generally have had a, have had a tough couple of years and I just I'm amazed every day by their resilience and I just channel that whenever I'm not feeling so resilient so I will uh I will use that oh I love that yeah um a female-owned business well I mentioned Sarah Blakely earlier she's been in the news a lot recently because she's done some really amazing things so she's sort of a prime time example um and a fun you know more local example is a company called Rainstick. I don't know if you're familiar with Rainstick. they're amazing they're they've created a shower head that basically um, recycles the water in your shower. Um, and it's beautiful and functional and it's something that people are going to want to have in their homes. So again, making a sort of low hanging fruit, easy decision as far as making choices for a, a, a renovation, for example, it's a really, it's a really fun one. That's so cool. I will definitely yeah. be looking that up. Yeah. Um, a book you'd recommend? Not great on books these days. <laughs> I feel like I don't have a lot of time. I used to be, I, I, I'm part of a book club and I always say I'm the delinquent book clubber. Um, I'm much better with podcasts and short articles. So I'm a big fan of HBR. I read HBR pretty much daily. So that would be my quote unquote book I would recommend. <laughs> nice. Um, a lifesaver for your business. So this could be a platform, mm-hmm. a planner, you know, something that you could not live without. Mm-hmm. Um, for us, Asana, I think would be it. And that's like the true project manager slash operations person in me. I just love a good, neat Asana board. So I think Asana is the one that I would go to. 
I love that one too. Um, a non-negotiable you have is coffee. <laughs> coffee. And the best advice that you've ever received. The best advice I ever received was from a woman called Sarah Sazo. And she um I worked with her when I worked for the nonprofit that I, I was part of a number of years ago. And she told me that being someone like me, who is what you would consider to be a generalist, I sort of bemoaned to her about like, sometimes I just feel like I'm doing all these different things and I don't know exactly which thing I'm best at. And she said, you know, Lindsay, look at, look at it like this. You have this toolkit of skills that you could reach into at any time. And you can pull out the one tool that you need to help you with the particular situation or the task at hand. But the other thing that's really great about that is that sometimes, you know, you go to reach into your toolkit and the tool isn't there. Like I just, it's not something that, or it's not a good enough tool. And then, you know, that you need to, you know, get additional help or, um, you know, work with others. And I think that really embracing that um, really helped me early in my career. And I think that's great advice for someone who is in kind of a generalist type of role. Mm -hmm. I think that's great advice. I think it sort of goes back to, again, sort of the co-founder, you know, finding the right Mm -hmm. match with those skills. Um, So thank you so much, Lindsay, for, you know, sharing all of your advice and your story. And I'm so excited to see everything that's to come. And do you have some future plans for your business you'd like to share? Yeah, future plans. We're in a really busy time right now, as you can imagine, with uh, end of year corporate gifting, et cetera, which is fantastic. Um, the product itself, as I said, relentless focus on product is really, was really great. It's so, it's so excellent. Thanks to Talon, uh, my CTO and co-founder to be able to rely on a product like this. It's so excellent, but we'll continue iterating on it, right? We continue to see like make small improvements and then we, we have bigger improvements, um, and bigger pieces that we want to be doing. I think for us, um, the focus will always be in where we can be doing good. And, you know, really building upon our gift supply um, catalog, <clears throat> for lack of a better term, and making sure that we're getting a diverse group of gift suppliers um, and experiences for our customers, but also so that we can support those individuals. Because there are, as I said earlier, sort of some well-known brands within them, but we're also working really hard to make sure that we have awesome entrepreneurs in there who are doing really unique things and that we can support their business as well. So that's a big focus for us. Certainly. I think moving into 2022, we'll, we'll be really focused on that. Amazing. And where can people go to find all of that information, especially like you said, with the year end coming yeah. up, um, you know, go in and find all of that. Our website's unwrapit.com. So that's pretty straightforward. We are very active on LinkedIn, um, post lots of great things about sustainability and leadership and gifting and events and all sorts of stuff. I think we're really have some great content there. Um, we are not, we're also on Twitter, um, on rapid.dot.com. Um, we are not active on Facebook and Instagram purposely. Um, and so you can find us on LinkedIn and Twitter. Perfect. Sounds great. Well, thank you so much again, Lindsay, for coming on and sharing, and I'm so excited to, to see everything that's to come. Awesome. Thank you, Sarah. Nice to chat with you. Thanks for listening to Made It Happen Podcast, the podcast highlighting female entrepreneurs. Make sure you subscribe to the channel, leave a review, and I'll see you next week.